In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? Ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. The wonderful words of James Taylor from his 1968 song, Carolina in My Mind. Around the time that James Taylor wrote that song, he was living in Europe, just 20 years old, trying to break into the music scene. After having already spent his late teenage years trying to do the same in New York, leaving there with only a heroin addiction. And he found himself in England. And while he was there, a tape of his music ended up in the hands of Paul McCartney and George Harrison, and they signed him to a deal with Apple Records, the first act that they signed to that label, and his career took off. But despite having found success in the British market, his thoughts turned all too often to his childhood home in North Carolina, where his family still lived. Even though he was standing literally alongside the Beatles, he missed deeply the company of his family dog, Hercules. After having spent several years away, he longed for home. And so Carolina in my mind is a song about his own experiences of homesickness. Today's readings are marked by a constant repetition of the themes of family and home. In the reading from 1 Kings, we heard the call of Elisha, the prophet who would become Elijah's apprentice, but who first asks to bid his family farewell. In the gospel reading, we began with an account of Jesus going to the country of the Samaritans, but being turned away. And then in that same gospel, there's a series of requests from a trio of would-be disciples. Two who, as in the story from 1 Kings, ask first to return to their family home to take care of some personal business. And one in which Jesus greets the request with the enigmatic, enigmatic response, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But our readings are only part of today's context because we also have the wonderful music that marks this liturgy this day. We're so grateful for Robert, the choir, and our guest musicians as we celebrate our Eucharist this morning set to the tune of bluegrass, as we find the holiness deep within other forms of music. This is nothing new, of course. Martin Luther knew a good hymn tune when he heard one, and most of the time he heard them coming from the bars and taverns of 16th century Germany or so legend has it. Either way, this reminds us that there is an ever-present intermingling of secular and sacred music that is a rich part of our tradition. And so today, as we dance with the Spirit in this bluegrass mass, my words this morning will borrow from that eternal language of, of music and verse, as we'll find the deeper truth written in the words of one of my favorite of the poet-prophet-musicians, James Taylor which brings us back to his 1968 hit, Carolina in My Mind. Because on the surface, it's a song about homesickness, but it digs much deeper than just that. Ten years ago, James Taylor gave an interview in which he said it's a song that draws a line through my own personal history and connects me to a place that I go in my dreams, a landscape that will forever be a part of me. 
In another conversation, he referred to the song as the context of his longing. How often have poets and musicians sung their hymns to places that are built more out of memories and hope rather than bricks and mortar? Gladys Knight's Midnight Train to Georgia, Tom Hall's That's How I Got to Memphis, Take Me Home Country Roads, John Denver, Sweet Home Alabama, Leonard Skinnerd, Billy Joel's New York State of Mind, Simon and Garfunkel's Homeward Bound, Drake's You and the Six. I had to Google that one. Even the psalmists of scripture sing remarkably often about longing for and recognizing home. Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 95, the Venite, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And this morning's Psalm 16, you show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Whether it's John Denver singing about West Virginia or King David singing of the heavenly city, they're really evoking something far richer than just a point on the map. They're singing about what you and I would call the kingdom of God, an idea of home that goes far beyond family and goes to the core of honoring who we are as people united in Christ. Which brings us, rather, back to this enigmatic statement from Jesus in today's gospel. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Am I saying that the rejection by the Samaritans made Jesus feel homesick? Far from it. But on the heels of that rejection, Jesus is only too aware that there are places where he is at home and places where he is not. There are places where Jesus can lay his head and places where he feels he cannot. Now, home is an enigmatic word all on its own because for some of us, it calls us back to our childhood. But for just as many of us, the place that resonates as home may not have had anything to do with our family of origin, but rather some other place, with some other people with whom we found acceptance and peace, a place where we could lay our head. That's where we meet Paul today as we continue reading from his letter to the Galatians, where we find these two lists, and oh, how Paul loved his lists. We can get lost in Paul's list of good things and bad things. Licentiousness and quarreling and fornication and lions and tigers and bears, oh my. So to put the proper frame around these particular lists, we need only go back to his first sentence. It's there that we see that what Paul is trying to do is really to talk to the church in Galatia about, our, about the hallmarks of our citizenship in the kingdom of God, something that he puts in the context of freedom and slavery. Paul says to the Galatians, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Last week, 
The vicar spoke in her sermon of the demands that the early Jewish Christian converts wished to put on the Gentile converts. The belief they held that the path to Christian initiation was through the rites of Jewish initiation, circumcision, and adherence to the Torah. That they become slaves to the law before they find freedom in Christ. As we marked National Indigenous Peoples Day last Sunday, the parallels to Canada's history of our treatment of the First Nations are far too clear. By placing demands on them that we deem to be superior, more civilized, we employed the most offensive yoke of slavery, an oppression that denied them their own culture, humanity, and spirituality. And because of that, our work of reconciliation continues. And so as we mark the end of Pride Month today, we can only take all this as cautionary. Yet it's astounding just how quickly we fall into slavery, and not just becoming slaves ourselves, but how quickly we're willing to enslave others for our own benefit, for our own privilege. How quickly we can decide that the way we've always done things must be the entirety of what God intended and that the work and revelation of God to this world finished when John of Patmos put his pen down, and it's in our hands now. How quickly we legislate what anyone can do with their bodies and create doctrines about what ways the gift of love we have from God can manifest itself, and then to claim to be a place where Jesus can lay his head. But in the kingdom Paul says, we are freed from slavery. We are freed from the things that enslave us, politics and greed and addiction, wealth and power, but we're also freed from that like, feeling we have that, that need to define our own beliefs by the actions of others. We're freed from our own need to rule over and police the world. As we're made free in Christ, we're freed from that need to enslave others, just as we're freed from the things that enslave us. In the words of another modern prophet, Nelson Mandela, speaking about the post-apartheid years of South Africa, he said, the truth is that we are not yet free. We have merely achieved the freedom to be free, the right not to be oppressed. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. The true test of our devotion, Mandela said, is just the beginning. Where we are at home in the kingdom, there can be no slavery or oppression. Where we live in the freedom of Christ, there can be no burdens on people that deny them the free grace of humanity that God has blessed each and every one of us with. We can create boxes and lists and doctrines and legislation, and we can become slaves even to our own creation in that regard. But all blessing be to the God whose world, whose spirit is bigger than ours. Because... The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, and self-control. There is no law against such things, Paul says. 
This is where we find home in the kingdom of God. This is the home that Jesus Christ invites us to long for, to sing our hymn to, to work towards that the church for now may be a reflection of that kingdom to come. Paul is leading the Galatians inch by inch towards a life in the kingdom. And us too, that is our home. Dark and silent late last night, I think I might have heard the highway calling, geese in flight and dogs that bite. Signs that might be omens that say I'm going, I'm going, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. The desire for that place where we feel most at home, most at peace, can be elusive, and we can spend a lifetime looking for that Carolina, or Georgia, or Memphis. But with all due deference to James Taylor, sometimes we don't need to go anywhere to find that feeling of home that comes with the kingdom of God. Because we can make the choice to be people among whom Jesus can be found and known, where the Son of Man can lay his head. When we allow the wonderful way that God has made each of us to be the pattern of life, if we let God define love for us in the most expansive way, by deciding that peace is more important than victory. Every time we proclaim that kindness and generosity are at the heart of who we are as Christians and people of God, it's then that the kingdom of God is found and fulfilled. It's then that we grow into the fullness of who God calls us to be. It's then that we find the freedom of Christ flowing out of the deepest parts of us, breaking every barrier, welcoming everyone looking for that place that seems to be lost and far off. It's then that we find home. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.